It's time for the Rockies Rundown, talking all things Colorado Rockies baseball. Here are your hosts, Jerry Schimmel and Tanner Schwint. Good Thursday afternoon, Northern Colorado. Welcome into Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex. I am Tanner Schwint, or Tanner Schwint. Joining me, Jerry <laughs> Shimmy Schimmel. Jerry, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing good now. Now that you're making me laugh already, I'm doing great. Doing yeah. good, Shimmy? By the, by the way, we at Tanner, by the way, we got to change that introduction. Instead of Jerry Schimmel and Tanner Schwint, it should be the other way around, because you're the man. No. You run this show. No, you ride, come on You now. drive this bus. Come on now. You drive this bus. I am driving the Rockies bus. I, I am firmly driving yeah. that. Um, I've put the bottle of vodka down that I had to drink uh, in late May and, and, <laughs> and early June. Uh, it's a hypothetical bus, so don't yell at me, all right? Uh, you know, I can all do right, that. Okay. But uh, No, it's okay. uh, a Jerry All-Star break. You know, has come and gone. Uh, we, we got games already going today, but uh, uh, how was your break? Were you able to get away for a minute? Yeah, I was. First of all, by the way, if there's anything left in that bottle of vodka, send it my way, will you? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, the break is always good. You kind of, I'm anxious to get back on the air again and just kind of pick this team up because they were playing pretty well before the break. But, yeah, it's it's good to get away. You know, you go hard for three, two, three months there, and it's nice to get that little break and get the batteries recharged and, you know, spend some time at home and do some stuff you haven't done for a while, so... Absolutely. Got rested up, got recharged, and ready to go again. Well, I'd love to hear it. And uh, first and foremost, before we talk anything about baseball, um, let's talk about what truly matters, and that is your family. Uh, I know I've been uh, an advocate for everybody here in Northern Colorado on Good Morning NoCo, uh, wherever I'm at, asking people to to pray for your your grandson, Henry, who uh, had heart surgery uh, last Friday, I believe was the date, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong there. But, uh, uh, Jerry, how is he doing first and foremost? Yeah, I appreciate that, Tanner. I appreciate all the, the invitations to prayer and, and certainly the, pray, the, the prayers themselves. So thank you, anybody who's listening that might have been affected by this and, and took some time for Henry. Yeah, born with uh, Down syndrome, and about 40, just a little background, about 40% of kids who are born with Down syndrome have a hole in the heart or more than one hole that has to be repaired. So he was one of those 40%. He actually had two holes in his heart Feature on Friday of last week. And Tanner couldn't have been doing any better until yesterday. I mean, he was, all the vitals were good. He was off oxygen, um, you know, happy and healthy. That incredibly nasty incision he had looks great. He doesn't even seem to be affected by it. Just a trooper. And then yesterday, before they're going to release him, which would have been, by the way, a week earlier than we anticipated. So we were, we were really blessed, we thought. Um, they found, they did an EKG and found some fluid in his lungs. So, they're doing another one as we speak, as we record this, Tanner, and um, they're going to find out if, if that if that fluid's still there. He has to stay and have it drained, which is probably another two or three, four days in the hospital. If it has cleared up a little bit, then they're probably going to release him. So we'll know here by the end of the day what that looks like. But it, overall, he's doing great, i got to say. Well, I, I, I cannot wait till the day where I hear your Amazing Americans episode with your own grandson because that guy, <laughs> that little guy is a trooper man and uh, I know he's going to battle right through this but uh, you know all the thoughts to, to you and, and, and your daughter and your, and your son-in-law I mean it just uh, you know it's, it's tough I mean I can't I can't even imagine it Jerry so uh, my thoughts and prayers have been with you and your family how is your daughter holding up how is she doing you know, I think they're doing, both of those guys, uh, Maggie and David, my son-in-law, just doing probably as well as they could. You know, they have their moments like like all parents in that situation would, but 
you know, I think they're just surrounded in prayer, and there's so much support. David has his family in town. We're here with Maggie. So uh, I think there's just a tremendous outpouring of support from not only family but and friends, but people who even know, like like your listeners, Tanner, who have reached out and, and have responded. So I think they're doing as well as they possibly can. You know, we uh, we have a uh, Henry's daughter is three years old, just turned three last week, and so we've had her most of this break, and she's such a blessing. So we're blessed by it. They get a break from their second child, and I think all is about as good as it could be. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear it, Jerry, and uh, and hopefully, uh, like I said, it'll be won't be long before Henry is back at home and uh, and on the road to recovery. But uh, nothing but the best for you and your family, Jerry. And uh, it, you know, I, I'm glad that you got some time, you know, to be here with them and and, and be there and supporting them and uh, th- through tough times. And and I don't know if there's anybody more well versed on on handling difficult times, you know, than you, Jerry. To be honest. Well, I appreciate that, Tanner. Yeah, I, I hate to say that, but yeah, I do have some experience that way. And you know, everything, everything in life, you know, this Tanner. We've talked about it. It's a learn. It's a learning lesson. Everything in life that you go through, it's not wasted. It's it's there for a reason in my mind, anyway. And my past going through the stuff that I had to go through, um, I, I think it's prepped me for for handling the the Henry situation as best I can. So yeah, I'm thankful for it. Um, we're hoping that he's gonna just fine and uh, we'll all move forward and i'm looking forward to the day where you and micah and brady and every and brian and everybody will meet that little guy because he's something special yeah no truly is jerry and i can't wait for that day either and uh you know as this all-star break kind of wraps up you're getting back into the swing of things you're actually on the way right now to the airport for your flight to milwaukee is that right that's exactly right yeah we're uh going to leave a little earlier today, and the, the team's going to go, I think, right from the airport, Milwaukee, to the ballpark, to American. i got to remember to just say that now, rather than Miller Park, Tanner. Um, <laughs> and we're going right right to the ballpark to work out. So uh, that's usually what we do if we start the second half on the road, is we'll get that workout in. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back at it. Um, you, you, don't, you don't have many practices in Major League Baseball like you do in football and and the NBA, but we're having a practice today, so that'll be kind of fun to watch. Well, and it'll be interesting, like you said, too, Jerry. I mean, the Rockies got on a little bit of a run there towards the end of the first half. I mean, winners of, uh, you know, five of their last six games. Uh, what do you expect? Was was this break, did it kind of come at a bad time for the Rockies? I don't think so, Tanner. I've been thinking about that. You know, do you want to keep playing if you win five out of six? I suppose you do, but I don't think there's anybody on that roster that would say, I didn't need the break. So it, did it come at a good time? Yeah, I think it always comes at a good time. You go so hard for that two- or three-month period, you have to have that break. I think much, as much mentally as physically, probably much more mentally than physically. You know, you get to watch C.J. Crone, and, and you know, you're looking forward to the second half and may, maybe making that, that playoff run, getting the, look at that wild card berth and all that. So I think what, what, what happened was the team felt good about itself to finish the break, and now feels really excited about starting the second half of the season. No, that, and that's exciting, and that's what you want to hear. Uh, let's talk about that All Star game real quick. Um, what were your thoughts? I thought I thought baseball did the MLB did a really good job of of marketing some of their players. You know, with with the the on field mics. What were what was your overall thought of the All Star game? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool TV. And when they had those players mic'd up, especially the pitcher and the catcher in that sequence, I thought that was fascinating. I really did. I was glued to the TV, and I think I've told you this before, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, so for me to, to sit down and watch a game was a little bit 
a little bit unusual for me, but I always try to watch that All-Star game, and I heard that they were going to do some different things with production. I thought it was really cool. I, I really did. Even the, the conversations in the dugout I thought were really neat. You're getting, you're getting inside the head of a player, and in baseball you don't normally do that. And that's kind of, that's kind of we're all kind of the outside looking in with these players, and we got a little glimpse of, of the inside. So I thought it was really cool. I, uh, the David Ortiz thing to the dugout I probably could have done without, but the rest <laughs> of it I thought, was, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think this is going to be any surprise to you, but that was Brady Hull's favorite part was David Ortiz <laughs> going through there and grabbing all those guys real quickly. But I'm sure it was. Alec Manoa, right when he's pitching up there, and of course you got John Smoltz, one of the one of the great pitchers, uh, broadcasting the game. You know, Manoa asked him, well, "How should I go ring this guy up real quick?" And, yeah. and Smoltz yeah. tells him a slider back foot in. And I love Manoa. <laughs> go, oh, Smoltz, you're sexy, and then he throws it and hits the guy. Like that was, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, I did too. That's what I said. It's just great TV, and you know, it's the, the great thing about the All Star Game is it's. Not terribly competitive. It's competitive. You you want to get that guy out in that situation. The guy that at the plate wanted to hit a home run. I mean, because they're they're athletes, they're competitive athletes. But the fact that it didn't really cost anybody anything, you right. to lose the game, I thought was so cool. It just takes the pressure off guys, lets them have fun. But at the same time, Tanner, I thought they displayed their talent, displayed their greatness and their their baseball acumen. So. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It could be personal. It could be funny. We could laugh along with those guys at the same time. It was still baseball. So I thought it was really cool. I, I, I'd like to go back and watch it again, actually. Yeah, well, and the one knock that there's always been on baseball is that they're not very good at marketing their players. And I think baseball's yeah. been doing a really good job of that this year. Like, even with the Dairy Queen ads, where you got the AL you know, Blizzard and the NL Blizzard and, yeah. and things like that, and then getting them mic'd up. I thought was fantastic, and I should have known the AL was going to win. I went to Dairy Queen the day of it, and I, I accidentally <laughs> ordered the AL Blizzard instead of the NL. Man, what's, what's up with that? I know, I know. I just looked at did the you, one that looked you, good. Did you not think it through? No, and then I went and bet on the NL. I was betting on the All-Star game, oh. Jerry. <laughs> That's where I went wrong. Oh, oh Tanner, you make me laugh. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You know, I like the fact you bet on the National League. I, I don't like the fact you you did it after you bought that American League list. <laughs> that's right. You went about it went about it the wrong way. I, I absolutely did, Jerry. I, that's on me. Yeah. Hand up right there. That one's on me. I'll own that one. So hopefully nobody else had any money on the NL. <laughs> and it was just my fifty bucks uh, that I lost. All right. Hopefully that's uh, all. It, all it was. Uh, Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. I'm Tanner Schwent. This is Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex. When we come back on the other side, Jerry and I are going to preview the second half of the season. What are the keys for the Rockies? They're only six and a half games back of that wild card spot. We're going to break it down next here on Rockies Rundown on Northern Colorado's Voice. One Three one and thirteen ten KFKA. Welcome back in Rockies Rundown, live from the Allo Communication Studios. I am Tanner Schwint. Tanner Schwint and Shimmy joining me. That's Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Jerry, with the All Star game or the All Star break is is over. Rockies back in action tomorrow, and what a stretch of teams that they have coming out of this break. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be rugged, isn't it? 
And before we hit that, can I ask you, can I go back to the All-Star game for one second? Yeah, ask you of a course. Question? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I had this, this, this feeling like late in the game where I wasn't surprised the score was 3-2. to two. I, I'm just reminded of how great the pitching has become in Major League Baseball. Oh, my goodness. Pitcher after pitcher, Tanner. Pitcher after pitcher coming in blowing 100 miles an hour. It's just uh, and, and ridiculous. Wonder, isn't it, though? No, I, sometimes I wonder how any hitter can get up there and get a base hit with the way these guys are throwing. Now, not every guy throws like we saw in the All-Star game, but just player after player coming from the dugout throwing just nasty sliders and 102-mile-an-hour fastballs, and I'm going, man, no wonder it's 3-2. to two. Yeah. No wonder it's a low-season game. No. So, anyway, I just reminded of that, that the pitching has become so good it's amazing guys can still get a base hit in my mind. No, 100%. I agree with that. And I did have the under in there, too, for those of you wondering about my uh, my gambling on the All-Star game. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, oh, no, good. so that one was good. But, uh, no, uh, you talk about, like, Emmanuel Classe from the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Guardians. It's not yeah. just that he's throwing 103 miles an hour. It's that break when he throws a cutter, how much it goes in, how he can get that fastball to back up at times. The sliders like you talked about, you know, Kershaw's nasty curveball that we've just come accustomed to seeing. It, it was really a display. I, it, I mean, it was it was incredible for me to watch the command and the control that those guys have. Top, top-tier level type of stuff. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I was thinking the other night when I was watching those last couple innings and seeing those guys come in, throw like that, you know, at the end of the uh, in the ninth inning in home games, I'm able to go down on the field, as you know, and get that walk off interview after the Rockies win. And I see Daniel Bard down there a lot, and I sit right behind home plate, and you can see the movement on his pitch, on his fastball, that 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 little tail that he's got at 98, 99 miles an hour. And I'm just amazed by that. And then I watch those guys on TV do the same thing at 103 miles an hour. So I just blown just blown away. Way I'm blown away by how guys like you said Tanner can manipulate a triple digit fastball. It's just incredible to me. But it it also goes into you know this was this was a poll question we had on on Good Morning Noco earlier this week of of what sports record will never be broken. And uh, yeah. a lot of people started chiming in. You know Cy Young, uh, whether it's his uh, complete games of 711, I believe, or his win total of 500 and some odd games. Uh, the the pitching aspect has changed so much because there's so many more guys that can do it now, but there's very few who can do it at that level. Yes, exactly right. And it, you're right, pitching has evolved, and you know, guys back then would start a lot more. They would, they would complete all these games and all that, and you don't have that anymore for good reason. So, um, but but the, the one that, and I saw your poll, by the way, the one that, got, that has always gotten me, Tanner, is the 50-16 hitting streak. Yeah. I just think that the way guys are pitching these days, that it just is not going to, that's never going to work again. I mean, you just, if you get a 20, 25 game hitting streak, I think it's something spectacular. 56 games to me is the one that will never, ever be for. Now there's pitching records, we know, because pitching has evolved and it's not the same. No one's going to win 300 games again. So, but a, a guy is going to hit every day in that lineup can be in the lineup for 56 games in a row is not going to hit 56 in a row in my mind. So that's the one 
in my mind, it's never going to be broken. No, so I'm off your I'm off your point a little bit here, but no. that's the one that always got me. That always got me. Well, and I agree. And you look at the game now too, where it's 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 all about power. It's it's you know home run or strikeout. Yeah. You know, kind of in the NBA where it's a three pointer instead of the mid range jumper. Right. That that's the evolution. Yep. But it's going to take a guy like I look at Connor Joe. If there's anybody who can get something like that, it's going to be a guy like Connor who doesn't hit uh, for power. He he finds a way on base and it's going to take a guy like that to go and, and even come close to threatening it. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's not going to be that home run hitter. That's for sure. Even with the greatness of a guy like Aaron Judge, it's probably not going to ever happen, come close to happening with a guy like that. Not that he can't have a high average, but I think you're right. The guy at Minnesota, the second baseman there, who's leading the league in hitting at, what, 350 or something like that, it's going to take somebody like that. So every once in a while we'll get a home. It's going to take a Tony Gwynn type of guy. Yeah. And and it's not going to be that power hitter. And uh, everybody's looking, like you said, looking for power. But there are still some guys that are looking to just hit for average, and, and that will be the guy that might someday threaten 30 or 35 games. I don't think it's ever going to happen at 56. No, I, I, I agree with you completely there, Jerry. Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. I'm Tanner Schwent. So the Rockies open up with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers tomorrow night. Uh, ESPN's got Sensatella listed as the starting pitcher for tomorrow night, which begs the question, are the Rockies going to six-man rotation? That's a good question. I don't know that yet. I don't think we'll probably find that out tonight, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think Bud Black uh, is has that as an option, but I don't think he's going to exercise that. Now, if it's later in the year, Tanner, where you want to give guys a break, you want to, you want to skip a start for somebody because he's got a lot of innings built up and all that, but I don't see that happening right now. I think you go back to the, the five-man rotation, which would, I think is going to include Sensatella and not Austin Gomber for the moment, but that could change. An injury could change it. Poor performance could change that, but I think Bud's going to go with the five-man rotation with Sensatella at least to begin the second half. So does that mean Austin Gomber's moving back to the bullpen? Yeah, that'll, that'll be the case. Yeah, Exactly. What, what? And, and, they, and they need that guy in the bullpen for sure. Oh, they do. They need as much depth in the bullpen as they can get. Uh, and it, this is this is an unexpected good problem for Bud Black to have uh, with the emergence of Jose Urania. I mean, he has pitched yeah. just lights out. And, and now here's a guy that you hope can keep it that way and you know be the pitching version of what we saw with C.J. Crone. Bring him in on a on a, on a league minimum, right? And then just have him take off and and be comfortable in Colorado and be that guy. Jose certainly through his first couple of starts has looked like. He really has. And you know what? What a great addition for the Rockies. And at the beginning of the season, I think you and I talked a lot about hey, there's a concern about lack of depth in that, in that rotation. And there was, and that no one really counted on Urania to come through like he has. But to be able to add depth to now probably be in, you know, st- stuck in that rotation, whether he wants it or not, and he wants it, um, is, a, is a great thing to have. So, and, and to have the idea of a six man rotation means you have six good pitchers. So it's a, like Bud said the other day, it's a great problem to have. It's actually not a problem. It's just a good thing to have. But yet, getting back to Urania, boy, what a what a pleasant surprise! Huh? It's three, at three starts, all have been great. One of them has been outstanding. The game against the Dodgers on the road. So what a great addition for the Rockies. And that's what they're going to need, Tanner, in the second half. They're going to need somebody like you said that's going to step up and surprise some people, maybe even shock some people in the second half of the year to get back in the hunt for a wild card. You're going to have to have 
a Jose Urania, and some other guys step off step up offensively to make this thing happen in the second half, in my mind anyway. Well, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year. I mean, I, I was very vocal about it. I thought this team was a wild card team. And, you know, I was starting to lose a little bit of hope there for a while, I'll be honest. But then they put this nice little run together. They're only six and a half games back out of a wild card. With a lot of baseball still to play, I thought it was vitally important for this team to string together three straight series wins uh, to put them back at least within, you know, sniffing that wild card spot. Yep, exactly right. And I think they set themselves up nicely that way, Tanner, to win five out of six. Now you're feeling good about yourself. You got some momentum. You, you, you touched on it, and I changed subjects. Sorry about that. But the, the schedule is going to be rough. But you know what? It evens out. And so I don't think they're intimidated by the schedule of the Rockies. They, should, they want to just go out and play right now. So you think about the, this team as well. You know, Ryan McMahon has not really done his thing. He's behind no. his numbers in the past couple of years. Um, Chris Bryant hasn't done much at all uh, until lately. So you count on him, if he's healthy in the second half, to be the guy that they hoped he would be. And Charlie Blackman keeps things up. C.J. Crone, Jose uh, uh, Iglesias is hitting the ball well. Brennan Rogers has had a great two-month stretch. So I think you go into the second half feeling good about your offense. You feel good about your starting rotation. The bullpen has seemed to, to kind of grab a little bit of traction. So I think there's just really some great optimism, and there should be for this team in the second half. Well, I think Chris Bryant is the guy that we got to look at here. I think Chris Bryant is going to be that yeah. that spark plug because we even saw it right when he was hitting his swing after you know all those home runs he hit down in Arizona. He gets back in, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, paternity leave, which you're happy for him, yeah. but it, that that interrupts your rhythm as well. So I'm excited about it. I want to talk more about Chris Bryant when we come back on the other side. It's Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex on Northern Colorado's Voice. One Rockies baseball back tomorrow night. Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies, joining me. I'm Tanner Schwint in the Allo Communications Studios. We ended that last segment talking a little bit about Chris Bryant, but is there a guy that you point to more than Chris that you say, okay, he's he's going to kind of go, the Rockies are going to go as he goes? No, I don't think so. I, I think you point at him and say he, he's, he's got to be the man right now. If, if uh, C.J. Crone has anything close to the first half he had, He's going to be just fine. He'll probably fall off a little bit in the second half, I'm guessing. And those first half numbers were incredible. So now you turn to Chris Bryant, and it, and if he can just recapture some of his old Chris Bryant, and which he should. He's healthy. I talked to him on Sunday. He said the back has given no issues at all, nothing, no pain whatsoever, not even a glimpse of it, he said. So we expect him, being in the prime of his career, right, athletically, to come through in the second half, be the old Chris Bryant. So I think that's going to happen, and I think it's going to really be fun. I mean, think about that lineup now with, with the way uh, Crone has had, has hit probably the last year and a half, basically. Charlie Blackman doing his thing, Brennan Rogers, uh, and now Chris Bryant. That's a pretty formidable lineup right there. There's some, you know, and Diaz is starting to hit the ball a little better. Yes. So I, I, I think maybe the second half, Tanner, believe it or not, 
I think the offense might be a strong point for the Rockies in well, the second half of the season. It, it, it'll certainly have to be, and you know that's saying a lot. And this is where it kind of feels like midway point. We're we're back to back to square one after what we thought the Rockies were going to be yeah. to start the year because the the your best pitcher arguably has been Chad Cool, who you thought was going to be a number five guy, and he's been probably one of the best pitchers. You expect guys like like Freeland and and uh, and Armon Marquez to to get it together and. And if that, that hitting can come around, you're looking at a very formidable team where you're looking, I am anyways, looking at Milwaukee coming up on a four-game series and say, yeah, you know, worst-case scenario, you should split this series. Yeah, and I think that's probably what they're thinking, too. If they could get two games out of this, because Milwaukee is awfully good, division-leading. They play well at home, and they're very talented. So I think if you get two out of four, you feel good about yourself, but but you also make a good point. We're almost back to square one right now, right? Chris Bryant is healthy. This is the healthiest team in baseball right now. they got two guys long-term on the injured list, uh, Tyler Kinley and Scott Olberg, and that's it. Everybody's healthy. So it's as healthy a team as there is in Major League Baseball. So let's go. And now you got Urania back, part of that rotation, really pitching well. They're, you know, you're like you said, you're feeling good and you're anxious to go in the second half. But you're right, Chris Bryan is the key. And the only, the only, the only thing I would question about Chris Bryan is, couldn't you have timed the kids a little bit different? Yeah, you know, right. You know, nine nine months away is the middle of the season. What are you guys thinking? Right. That you know, hey. I, that's a very fair point, and I don't know what he was thinking in that moment. Uh, I don't know what most men well, are thinking in that moment, Jerry. Well, I do no, know, but I don't think we need to dive into thinking, that. No, they're thinking one thing. We know what that is. So, but, all right, we'll let it. We'll let him off the hook. <laughs> Uh, it just, but you know, it's just one of those things. And I was, I was joking about it, and, and said, "Yeah, yeah, couldn't he have timed that a little bit better?" It's like he's finally getting back, he's batting well, and then ah, oh, paternity leave. Come on now, what are we doing? It's you've already got a kid. You don't need to go see your twins born. I don't. I, I just, I don't know about that. Oh my goodness, you, you do make me laugh, Tanner. I've got some more thoughts on that, but I probably should let him go. Yeah, or else I might get in trouble. Yeah, well, we'll just talk about him off air. I think is what we'll do. But yeah. so yeah. Second, <laughs> second half of the season, uh, you mentioned before. Before I want to talk about the trade deadline, you mentioned Tyler Kinley, and I think that this gets overlooked by a lot of the casual Rockies fans about just how damn good he was before he got injured. Yeah. I mean, the Rockies were in a spot that if they had the lead going into really, you know, the latter half of the seventh inning or certainly the eighth inning. They were winning that game because Kinley was shutting down the eighth, and Bard, we know he's been fantastic in the ninth. Yeah, and uh, and, and you hope you don't miss him too much, because you're right, he was pitching lights out. In fact, I was reading something, I think over the weekend, last weekend, in those last two games, about Tyler Kinley's slider, and it was judged with, the, I don't know, something like the top five in spin and movement and all that. I mean, he had... Well, the point is, he had one of the best sliders in baseball before he got before he got hurt, and that was his out pitch. He'd set that that slider up with a mid nineties fastball and just be lights out with that, especially against right handers. So, yeah, you're right. He was he was outstanding. What did he give up three earned runs or something in the in a time he was out there? Right. And and, and so now, what you hope, Tanner, is you can make up for that. You can get um, you know maybe a couple different guys pitching that eighth inning to come through, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit. We're starting to see a couple of different guys being able to step up in that in that eighth inning and get outs and set the thing up for Bard. So it's a tough loss, but it's one where a couple, maybe three guys need to step up 
and and fill that void that was left by Tyler Kinley's injury. Yeah, and you certainly do. But you know, I look at Alex Colomay, and he's been pretty hit or miss this year. Jerry, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I think so. I think probably more more hit this year than uh, lately than miss. Um, and when you know he he's so he's so funny because. I always say, as soon as he gets a base runner two on, he got him right where he want him because that's the way he pitches. He has traffic, but yet he seems to be able to get out of that somehow. And and I I don't know what that is. Whether it's you know just bears down mentally when he when he has runners on base and, and it's better that way. But he makes it interesting. But you know other guys, Lucas Gilbert has been better lately. Robert Stevenson has been better. And you got Estevez still looking for to try, to find himself, but. I think you've got, you know, two or, like I said, two or three guys that might be able to fill that role depending on the exact situation, whether that that's a matchup to begin that inning or what that looks like. But you don't have Tyler Kinley to come on the eighth inning, no matter who's hitting anymore. So you got to make up for that. And I think the Rockies have the the capability, the talent to do that. Hope it falls in place in the second half. Now I certainly agree with you. And you know, as the MLB trade deadline approaches here on August second, uh, I look back at uh, Bill Schmidt and his first year as the general manager of the Rockies, and, and really he's got a he's got he's passing with flying colors right now. You look at what Jose Iglesias has done. You know, what we've seen the the snippets of of Chris Bryant so far with Chad Cool and Alex Colomay. He's done a really good job. I'm interested to see. What he does at the trade deadline, notoriously, the Rockies stand pat. What are your expectations? I, I don't. I think Tanner, if the team is out of playoffs, if they just feel like it's not going to happen this year, that might be a there might be a sale or two. And I don't know if that's anything big. I'm guessing it might. I don't think it's going to be Daniel Bart, but it might be somebody from the bullpen. Somebody needs a lefty. You know, who knows? Um, that way. But if they're in contention, feel like they are there and thriving for a wild card spot, I think they will go out and make a move or two. Really? Now, it depends on it depends on what that situation looks like. Then, is there an injury with a key bullpen guy, and you want to go out and get somebody? Uh, because I, I heard Dick Montford say that the other day, and he said that in the past. Hey, you know what? We're uh, if it comes down to spending some money to to make a trade or two, pick up a player or two to help us make the playoffs. I'm willing to write that check. He said that the other day again. So that's the way I'd look at the Rockies. If they're not in contention, I don't see them doing too much. They might make, they, they might trade a, a you know a player that's not a key for their future. But if they're in contention for that wild card spot, they will look to make a move. I, I guarantee you they will. So most likely to be moved, and hopefully, hopefully this we're not we look back at this and laugh because the Rockies are you know a game back out of the wild card or something like that. Uh, but most uh, most likely to be moved would it be Jose Iglesias? That's where my mind goes. I think it would be either him or Alex Colomay. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times when you get toward that trade deadline. Guys are looking for bullpen pieces, and that—that's really what it comes down to. A lot of times, you're not going to make, you know, once in a while you make a move for like the Giants did last year, picked up Chris Bryant, uh, and the Yankees have done that with hitters. But a lot of times, it's bullpen pieces, and so I would think it'd be either Iglesias and or Colomay if the Rockies did make a move to send all those guys away. People are looking for veterans down the stretch to, to help them in the playoffs or get the playoffs. And Colomay and Iglesias would be those two veterans. If somebody loses the shortstop and they need a veteran to plug that hole to get them to the playoffs, Iglesias would be a pretty good target. I'm with you on that. Well, especially since he's batting three. What is it, three hundred one right now or something like that? He's batting over yeah. three hundred. Yeah, and he's got that great defense, and he's a great team guy, great clubhouse guy. He'll fit in wherever he's traded to. So that's an attractive piece. Plus, you got. 
a, a shortstop at Double A Tovar Ezekiel Tovar, who yeah. is just about major league ready. Who, by the way, Tanner is a stud. He, he's he's going to be really good. Yeah, that is. Uh, I. I Listen, like I said, hopefully they're going out to be buyers, uh, and we're going to know very quickly. I mean, these next couple of series are going to know the only bad thing that you know that you have to, to deal with is the Milwaukee Brewers, then the uh, the uh, Chicago White Sox, and then the Los Angeles Dodgers. That might be a tough stretch, but uh, we'll see what happens for the Rockies. It's Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex. Autoplex Restyling Centers has a long history outfitting vehicles in Colorado with custom accessories to fit our customers' needs and surpass their expectations, whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, Autoplex is your home for everything aftermarket. Right now, mention uh, KFKA to receive 10% off in the, any window tinting that you're doing with your car. It's Autoplex. They are the sponsor here for Rockies Rundown. We'll come back, talk a little bit about the MLB draft and what's next for the Rockies on Rockies Rundown on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFKA. Just a couple of minutes left here on Rockies Rundown. I'm Tanner Schwint, joined by the voice of the Colorado Rockies, Jerry Schimmel. Jerry, uh, the MLB draft has always been a fascinating one to me, not one that I really pay a whole lot of attention to, to be honest, because it's going to be 10 to 15 years. Well, not 10 to 15 years. That's a little bit of an uh, exaggeration there, but it's going to be a long time before we see any of these guys. Yeah, for sure. And someone asked me the day, okay, you take a first, uh, your first-round pick, number 10 overall, once you expect that guy, realistically, it's three or four years. I mean, it got most guys been three years in the minors, and if they're on the fast track, they, they show up in the majors in year four. That's a fast track. So, yeah, and, and only 50% of first-round draft picks ever make the big leagues, which is almost a shocking number sometimes when you think about the money you invest in these guys and never play for you. So, yeah, it's a ways away. But I think that right now everybody feels pretty good about that draft. I was looking at draft reviews yesterday, and – well, several, including ESPN, said the Rockies did great. They had them second best. I think ESPN did behind the Mets in the draft in terms of grabbing top 200 players. So yeah. I think the Rockies feel good about it. They they got a pitcher in the first round. They they do not have a pitcher in the top 100 in minor league baseball right now. So their 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 pitching depth is not great in the minor league system. So to take a bunch of pitchers like they did after their position players they took, I think probably speaks to right for the Rockies and that they went about the right way and feel good about the draft. No, that's exactly right. And seeing them sitting number two, because this this farm system uh, for the Rockies, we've talked a little bit about it, Jerry, but this farm system seems to has, have its ups and downs. You know, it, it was really good a couple years ahead of that 2007 run. And right now, the, the farm system for the Rockies honestly looks really good. It does. You know, I was looking at this too, Tanner, the other day, at the beginning of the season, beginning the, the first regular season game this year, April 8th, I think it was, the Rockies had one player in the top 100. They have five now. Yeah. They have five players, which is which is about in the middle of the pack. So they were toward the end. I think they had them ranked 29 out of 32, whatever that was, 29 out of 30. And now they're right in the middle of the pack, 15, 16. So 
Um, this year, the first two months of the season, the minors, there have been some outstanding performances and guys moving in that top 100, and the guys that were in there already have moved up even further. So you're right. It looks like a much better farm system than it did a couple of months ago. Yeah, Ezekiel Tovar, Drew Romo, a couple of those guys, uh, really a bright future uh, for the Rockies when you look ahead, which is uh, you know something that we, we can't always say. How about Jackson Holiday going number one overall, obviously the uh, son of Matt Holliday. That, that's We saw a couple of sons drafted. Uh, Andrew Jones's uh, boy was drafted as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wish I had a son that was drafted. I could maybe make some money off him, <laughs> but uh, it, it didn't. It didn't happen. So, um, you no, know, was pretty cool. You know, the the, uh, the Jackson Holiday one is really interesting, isn't it? A month ago, he was thinking he might make the second round. So, talking about a guy that has moved up and done, done so very quickly, had a great senior season. I think he's a little bit of a late bloomer physically. So, to his to his going number one overall, I think was really interesting to me. I thought he might be, you know, I kept hearing, I was like, no, I think he's going to move in the first round. No, he's going to move in the top 20. No, he's going to move in the top 10. And he, then he ends up being the number one pick was, was really a credit to him and, and how far he has come. Guys, uh, I heard he's a great kid, obviously got great talent, but just a great attitude, and that probably helped him move up to number one as well. Well, and it's not unexpected. To, I mean, there's a little bit of an advantage, and not even a little bit of an advantage. It's an advantage when, when your dad was in the pros. I mean, you grew up in the clubhouses. You're f- more familiar with how it goes. But uh, talking about Jackson Holiday, too, you look at him and, and say, yeah, maybe he's more of a raw you know, raw specimen. I think MLB teams like that. Let's get our hands on it and get him, uh, get him the way that we need to. Exactly right, and if you are a son of a major leaguer, you you know what what that's all about. You're not intimidated by it. You're not overwhelmed when you walk in a major league clubhouse. I think you're mentally so much further ahead of so many guys. I think about if I was what is he eight, seventeen, eighteen years old. I was such a knucklehead back then. I would have been completely <laughs> intimidated. I mean, seriously, if I had even if I had that kind of talent, I'd be so intimidated by that whole process that I'd be overwhelmed by it. This guy will walk right in and start hitting. So um, I, I think you're right. I think there's an advantage. Obviously, the name helps, but the pedigree helps, and the experience helps for these guys. And I think they're both going to be great players. Andrew Jones' son, I heard, is complete stud as well. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right, Jerry, just uh, just about five minutes left here on the program. Uh, let's talk about the second half for the Rockies. Some things to, to expect, some things to look for. I start first with Armand Marquez. Uh, six wins, yeah. he leads the team in wins, but mentally, it just seems like he hasn't quite been the same guy uh, that we've seen in years past. Does Armand figure this I, out in the second half? Yeah, I think so. I think so, Tanner. You know, talked to Bud Black about that the other day, and he said, we're hoping for Armand Marquez this year that he has the type of year he had last year in the second half. So we're going to flip these, these two halves around a little bit. So I think, yeah, I think you look for good things from him. He's been pitching much more consistently lately. So, yeah, we're hoping the second half is going to be a fantastic one for Airman. Well, you know the stuff's still there. 85 strikeouts for him on the year. He leads the team in strikeouts. It's just been when, when he doesn't get that call or doesn't make that pitch, his, his resilience and his bounce back hasn't quite been the same. And that mental fortitude has been lacking a little bit, it seems like, from the outside looking in. I agree with that. I think that's the, the, the best assessment anybody can make. I think physically, he's fine. I mean, he's still throwing 97 miles an hour late in the ball game. He's got he's got great stuff. We know that that curveball, that sinker, an occasional changeup is are just great secondary pitches. But that fastball command just seems to 
to waver sometimes, and even within and at bat with a player. It looked great in the first pitch, and the, and the next one's right over the plate. So it's just, I think you're right, it's that lack of, of pinpoint command, and I think that goes back to his approach mentally. He just doesn't always lock in mentally, and he's got to do that in the second half to be effective. Yeah, he certainly does. So what's your overall confidence level in this starting rotation heading into the second half? I feel great about it, Tanner. I really do. They're healthy. Uh, there's depth there now. Arena kind of changed the whole look of this this rotation right now. You know, Kyle Freeland has had his moments. Marquez lately has been better. Santatella is healthy again. So I, you, know, you got Gomber is is uh, you know another possibility. And like you said, Chad Cool has been their best pitcher. So I feel great about the I feel better about the rotation now than I did beginning of the season because of the way Arena has come on the scene. We talked about Jose Iglesias just a little bit. There's no way he keeps this 301 batting average up, is there? You know, I keep I keep saying that same thing to myself. He hasn't hit well at home. Yeah, he has not. He's what 240 at home, something like that. So I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe the second half he doesn't hit so well on the road, but he hits great at home, and then he ends up hitting 300. And we got to remember too, Tanner. He's a he's a queer 277 hitter coming into this season. So not like he's all all glove and no bat. He can produce a little bit uh, offensively. So I, I think, you know, playing at half his games at Coors Field and getting better at Coors Field in the second half, he's hit home runs here, just hasn't had the great average here. I, I tell you what will drop down. His, uh, his average with runners in scoring position, which still is over 400, that's going to drop. Realistically, he's not going to keep that up. But I think he can flirt with 300 for the season. I really do, simply by hitting better at home in the second half. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think that lineup's got some pop in there that they haven't got to yet. Hopefully that starts tomorrow with the Milwaukee Brewers. Jerry, I know you got to go catch your, your, your flight here, so I want to say thank you for jumping on. What time are you uh, starting uh, the festivities in Milwaukee tomorrow? Let's see, 710 uh, Milwaukee time, 610, so we're on at 530 tomorrow, Five. right here on KFKA. That's right, that's right. You will be uh, here. I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to be able to jump on Good Morning NoCo tomorrow morning? I will be with you, Tanner. Looking forward to it. I love it. I know Brian's got a lot of random questions for you, as always. Shimmy, <laughs> I love you, my man. Uh, best of luck to you and your family. Uh, we, we love you, man, and we love hearing you back on the Rockies games. Thanks, Sandra. Love you, brother. Talk All right. to you soon. Yeah, right back at you. There's Jerry Schimmel, uh, voice of the Colorado Rockies. Again, big thanks to Autoplex, the sponsor of Rockies Rundown. We'll be right with you next Thursday for Rockies Rundown. Uh, thanks to Micah Kilpatrick as well for producing today. For Jerry Schimmel, for Micah Kilpatrick, I'm Tanner Schwint. Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFK. Rich Eisen, coming your way.